so you guys will uh, see it as it unfolds. Uh, Before we jump into God's Word today, I just want to thank the choir and Elaine and Stephen. Those of you who came to the musical this past week, uh, we had a packed out house and they spent a lot of time and we were reminded the power of music, how music draws people in. And I just want to give a special round of applause for Elaine and Stephen, the choir. You guys did an amazing job. Appreciate that. And also for Madison, wherever she's sitting, right here. Um, Madison has a calling on her life, so you pray for her that uh, God will direct her in this upcoming year. She just really has a special anointing on her life, so that's uh, very special. I want to surprise a few people, and I wish I could do this for everybody, but do for one what you wish you could do for the many, right? So we have a lot of volunteers in our church. Some of our volunteers make major sacrifices, and they give up extraordinary amounts of time and energy and effort. Um, So the first one is Glenda Pippen. Come on up here. You didn't know I was going to surprise you. (laughs) This is Christmas. So Glenda leads up our missions team, and during the 40 days of community, she led countless number of mission opportunities. If you were involved in one of those mission opportunities, raise your hand uh, during the 40 days. A lot of people were impacted. So on behalf of the church, we want you guys, you and Bob, to go out for a steak dinner during this Christmas season. Definitely. God bless you. And, you know, something about our volunteers is uh, they, they really make this church happen. As you know, the church is run predominantly by our volunteers, and we really appreciate you guys uh, doing what you do. The other one is Diana Smith. Where is Miss Diana at? Diana, each of these are kind of like, go ahead and give her a hand. Each of these people we're calling up are kind of like volunteer staff, where in a lot of churches they would get paid, but due to her size, they volunteer. Diana, she's here like a couple of days a week, dedicating her time to cook us great meals. How many of you have eaten one of Diana's meals on Wednesday nights? Or, all right. So we want to, you guys to have a meal on us, and we appreciate your service. Thank you. And last but not least is Teresa Bear. Is she back in, or is she still with the kids? All right. Well, Teresa Bear, hopefully she'll come in while I'm talking. She uh, is about two, well, a year and a half, two years ago, I approached her about being a volunteer staff member. I said, we need a staff member for the kids' ministry. just can't afford a staff member. Would you volunteer for three to six months? She said she would, and it's been a year and a half later, and she's still volunteering her time to lead up the kids' ministry. The kids' ministry is the fastest-growing ministry in the church. We have so many kids coming back there, first and second service. So uh, when she comes back, we'll give her this. Let's give her a hand. If you would turn in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to continue in our series of Songs of Christmas. As we've mentioned, there's four songs in Luke's Gospel. We talked about you can't have a Merry Christmas without Mary. And we talked about Mary's song was one of waiting and anticipation and how God came through and he exalted the lowly. We talked about Zacharias and his song of salvation, how John the Baptist was going to prepare the way for the coming Savior. Today's song is about the angels. It's fascinating to hear humans sing about God, but from a human perspective, even more fascinating is to hear the angels sing. 
And this Christmas season, if you ever get Christmas let down, let down is you have high expectations, but due to the American culture, there's a let down. I can remember when I was a teenager, after all the family went home, so I'm an extreme extrovert, most of you know that, so when all the crowds left, I was like, what do I do now? So once I got my driver's license, I would go bowling or to the movies. I'm thinking about on the sacred holiday, I'm going to the movies and go bowling. It's because the, the anticipation was so high and it got let down. For others, you don't experience a letdown, you experience depression. The holiday blues, feeling so down and so depressed. For o- others, it's not depression, it's, it's the tension and the stress. Like, how many of you are cooking for families? How many of you are cooking this Christmas season? You know, in the kitchen and... Everyone's enjoying the magic of the moment, but you're slaving in the kitchen. So in all of that, how can you experience peace? In all of that, how can you experience true joy? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because today we're going to listen. We're going to pull back the veil of heaven and listen to the sound of angels. We're going to listen to them sing, and we're going to listen to what the message is. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Teresa Bear. Teresa, we called you up on, on stage, thanking you for doing such a good job with your kids' ministry. This is free steak dinner for you and Rick. That was your commercial break during the sermon. Thank you. So as we turn to Luke 2, I want you guys just to listen to the song of heaven. Luke's going to pull back the veil, and we're going to hear angels sing. It starts in verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I can hear the sheep. It's all dark. Verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, listen to their song, the words of their song, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when angels had gone from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which is told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Let us pray. Father, we get to hear an angel song today. Thank you for that. Father, we ask and pray that you would open our ears, open our hearts. God, we realize that we're not worthy to sing to you apart from Jesus, but through Christ, we with the angels can sing. Give us pure hearts and pure minds and open up our spirits to listen to what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So friends, we're going to talk about five glorious truths. 
truce of peace, that if, if we open up heaven and we see the angels come down, these are truths that will help us this Christmas. This is not a, an easy fix-all for those of you who are suffering from depression or stress. This is not an easy fix-all for those of you who are missing a family member that's not here. But these are steps of peace. These are steps of hope. That if we listen to the message of the angels and that which surrounds the song, this Christmas we can have true peace and lasting joy. The first point is this. Common, ordinary people experience an extraordinary heavenly scene. Look at verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. The thing about these shepherds is they weren't just ordinary, but they were the outcasts of society. Yes, in the Old Testament, David was a shepherd. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, some famous people were shepherds. But since that time, the reputation of shepherds somehow went downhill in the Jewish culture. In fact, in a Jewish court of law, if you were a shepherd, you could not testify as a credible witness. So how interesting that Jesus would choose a group of people who couldn't testify to testify about him. Isn't that amazing that God uses ordinary people, people that... Say, I don't have anything to give. And he says, I want you to be a witness. I want you to testify. So these shepherds were out and they were faithfully doing their duty. They were, they were tending sheep. And this is the first group appearance besides individuals we talked about, Mary, Elizabeth, Zacharias. This is the first group appearance. And Jesus appears lowly. And many scholars have asked the question, why did Jesus appear to shepherds? The angels appear to shepherds at the birth of Christ. Why would God choose these shepherds? And maybe one of the reasons is, is that shepherds were considered unclean. And Jesus came for all of us who are unclean. That we could be clean. That we could be whole again. But maybe also shepherds illustrate the ministry of Jesus. In John 10, Jesus was called the good what? The good shepherd. A shepherd takes care of sheep. And Jesus was coming to identify with these shepherds. And the shepherds take care of sheep, and sheep give birth to what? Lambs. Have you ever thought this Christmas story, the narrative behind it, it's a narrative of sacrifice? That Jesus, who is being born so that he can sacrifice his life, the angels appears to a group of shepherds who are raising up lambs who will be sacrificed. I don't think that's by coincidence. I think that God organized that and intended that for a purpose. So Jesus is born. The shepherds hear the good news. And one thing I want you guys to get, just by a simple application, is how God shows up in the ordinary details of life. You ever notice that? A lot of times we expect God to show up in the great revivals or the wonderful musicals, and he does. But have you ever thought for a moment that God shows up in the ordinary, the mundane? So for those of you who are retired and retirement's gotten boring, I want you to look for God to show up in the morning. I want you, God to show up in the evening. For those of you who are working the job and it's a 9 to 5 or whatever the hours it is and it's the tedious work, Think about these shepherds. They were just doing their duty. And when they least expected God, he showed up. And that's the Christmas message, that Jesus shows up. And God shows up in his glory. 
the angels appear to people who aren't expecting them. I love how God's glory invades the ordinary. And my prayer for you in 2018 is that in your ordinary life, that God's glory would just invade your space. That you would have this Christmas mystery. That you would have this anticipation of hope that you don't know what's going to happen. The excitement and the hope. What time of day was it? Someone tell me. It was nighttime. We said a few weeks ago how Christmas is full of light. And each week as we, as we light these Advent candles, I want you to know behind every ceremony of Christmas, behind the lights on the tree and the reefs and the Yuletide logs, all that, if you look behind the, the symbols, there's a, a truth of light. Jesus came to bring us light. And we said last week how stars shine the brightest when it's the darkest outside. I believe that's true for your life. You know, we live in a very fallen world. The culture is getting darker and darker. But how many of you need the encouragement that Jesus came to bring light? And now you carry that light. Before we go into the second truth, something I just thought of this morning. Um, we talked about the first service. A lot of us think, what would it be like to be like Mary, carrying Jesus? You know, there's a mystery behind it that we'll never know about the Immaculate Conception but did you guys realize that you carry God with you everywhere you go, for those of us who are Christians? Whenever you ask Jesus into your life in repentance and faith, the Holy Spirit moves inside of you. So it's not exactly the same as Mary, but you have the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So inside of you is the Christmas mystery, how God could come to earth and live inside a human. As believers, we have to be reminded God lives inside of you. So it should make a difference. Amen. Their initial reaction, were they excited? Oh, wow, look at this angel. You know, look at the lights. Listen to the music as we do at Christmas time. No, their initial reaction, they were terrified. And part of that, you have to go back to Old Testament history. Whenever an angel appeared, it meant a few different things. It could meant that you were dying and the angel was transporting you to, to paradise. So that's kind of scary, right? I'm getting ready to die. The other thing is the angel would sometime come in judgment, the day of the Lord, mentioned throughout the Old Testament. So that was scary. Sometimes the angel of the Lord represented a theophany, God coming to earth in a bodily form. We see that in different parts of the Old Testament. So a lot of times when angels showed up, it's like, what, what bad thing's going to happen? But what does the angel say? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Three times, I believe, the angel says throughout these passages in Luke, don't be afraid. So the Christmas message for you is you don't have to be afraid. God's got this. No matter what stress you're going through right now, no matter what darkness, the angel's message that we see repeated here and other places through Luke, don't be afraid. God's got great news for you. Amen. The second truth to help you to find peace in the midst of the holiday hustle, is the message of Christmas is this. Jesus came for everyone, including you, to give you a new kind of life. Look back at verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to some people, the elect, all people, right? So here's the thing. The Christmas message is God came for everybody. But that includes you sitting in your chair at 2018 
that Arden First Baptist came for you. Christmas is personal. It's relevant. So, verse 11, For there is born to you in this day a city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So here's the reassurance the angel gave the frightened shepherds. And it's the Christmas present that God gives you today. It's basically three presents. The first one is this, good tidings. Someone say good tidings. I am glad that in a bad news world, God gives us good tidings. You know, I kind of wish that when you flip through the channels on your television, that there would be an HNN, Heavenly News Network. Because every time you listen to the other news network, no matter which one it is, it's depressing. Government shutdown, the economy crashing, whatever. In a world full of bad news, I came to bring you good tidings. That Jesus Christ has come. It is Christmas Day coming upon us. And we can be reminded there's good tidings. And by the way, for those of you who are Bible students, the, the Greek word of this news, it's translated the gospel. It means to preach the good news. And that's, that's the thing. The angels were proclaiming the gospel, the good news, that Christ has come. The second Christmas present not only is good tidings, but great joy. Aren't you glad that in a world that seeks after happiness, if you could survey Americans, what's the number one thing you want? Most Americans will say, I just want to be happy, H-A-P-P-Y. Don't make me cry. I just want to be happy, right? So here's the thing. In a world that's seeking after happiness, the Christmas message is you can have something deeper, something more lasting, something that's internal. See, happiness is something external that makes me feel the bubbles on the inside. But joy is something that's lasting. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So you always have joy. Even though you may not be feeling joy, it's still there in seed form. Like a fruit, you have to water it. It's inside of you. Some of you, on a side note, you're like, I don't have any patience. Well, by the way, if you're a Christian, you do have patience. It's just in little seed form right now. You've got to let the fruit grow through the Bible study, through prayer, through experiences. That's the beautiful thing about the fruits of the Spirit. You have all nine fruit. It's one fruit, nine flavors. You have it. you just got to let God develop it in you. So not only is it good tidings of great joy, but as we mentioned, it's for all people. I've been doing, some of you know this, I've been doing my research on millennials to finish my dissertation, God willing, graduations in May coming up. But one of the things of millennials, I'm talking to them, is about spirituality and how to communicate better with millennials. Because as we know, many millennials don't go to church. And I've interviewed people from atheists to people living alternative lifestyles to people that are involved in paganism all around the U.S., interviewing them via Skype on video. And what's fascinating, I'll just give you one little clip. I was interviewing an atheist in Charleston. He's a journalist, very smart man. And I said, are you spiritual? And he basically said, no, I'm not spiritual. I said, okay. And I said, uh, would you ever go to a church or listen to preaching? And he said he would. And I'm like, okay, uh, kind of off the record, but you're an atheist. Why would you go to a church? And he said, I deal with stress in my life. If the church could help me cope with my stress, I would go to it or I would listen to a sermon. And I'm like, wow. And all across America, I'm getting the same thing. People are open to truth. They're just looking for it in all the wrong places. They're searching. They just don't know where to find it. So the gospel is it's good news for everybody. Max Lucado, this is a famous quote of his, and some of you may have heard it. He says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. I would add someone from Apple. 
If her greatest need would have been money, God would send us an economist. But her greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. So notice it says the Lord, the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. You might want to underline that in your Bible. The Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. In that, you have the whole role of Jesus. First of all, it says he is the Savior. That's his role. He came to save us. We know that. That's what Christmas is all about. He came to seek and save that which is lost. Christ is something very interesting. It's a Jewish word we talk about. It means the Messiah, the anointed one. So Jesus Christ came to save us because he's the anointed one. He's the long-anticipated Messiah. But that word, the very last word we often don't talk about is Lord. A lot of us believers, we know Jesus as Savior, but we don't fully know him as Lord. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, let me give you a little illustration from high school. We have a lot of retired school teachers in here, so you'll understand this illustration. You remember the janitors of yonder? Maybe it's changed since uh, we've been in school, but the principal used to have a master key, but the janitor had like 50 keys on his or her ring. And every key would be to a different place in a school building. And what, what's fascinating is the principal, you know, he, would, he or she would run the school, but the janitor, whenever there was a mess, who would come to clean it up? Oh, we need a janitor. Hallway green, cougar hallway, whatever your school hall, and the janitor would come and clean it up. But the thing is, the janitor didn't have access to, to everywhere unless he had a key or she had a key. And what I want you guys to get is Jesus, sometimes we treat him like janitor. We want him to save us, to clean up our mess. But Lord means that Jesus is CEO. He's principal over your life. He wants the master key. So this Christmas, just a reminder, and by the way, the millennials I talked to, this is their challenge. I was like, how can I better communicate to you? They said, challenge us. We don't want a feel-good message. We want to be really challenged. I think adults are the same. We want to be challenged. Here's the challenge. One of the greatest Christmas presents you can give Jesus this year is receiving him, not just as Savior, but knowing him as Lord. And there may be someone in the audience that would push back, well, Jesus is Savior and Lord. He is, but Christianity is a progress. It's a growth. Once you say yes to Jesus, doesn't mean he has access to every area of your life. And Romans 12, 1 is a good reference to that if you want to take notes. Uh, It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, he's talking to Christians, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. They were saved, but they didn't follow Jesus as the Lord yet. So here, here's your Christmas push, but also your Christmas present. For those of you who are saved, is Jesus really Lord? Have you given him the master key of your life? And everyone said, ouch. Isaiah 9, 6 says it like this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called, say it with me, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So something that brings us good news in a bad news world is Jesus came for everybody. And that includes you. I heard a pastor tell a story about A.J. Gordon. He was a pastor in Boston. And uh, this pastor was out around his church parish. And he saw a little boy that had a birdcage, a rusty old birdcage. And the pastor was telling him this story about this birdcage and inside the birdcage were two birds and pastor gordon said what are you doing with those boys son and he said well i'm going to play with them and throw them around the house maybe throw them against the wall and after they've been mangled a little bit i'm going to feed them to our cat in the backyard pastor gordon was like whoa 
he just had a heart for birds. And he said, son, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $2 for the birdcage and the two birds. And the little boy said, you're getting a bad deal. I'll do it, but you just need to know these are old field birds, and they're ugly, and they can't sing very well. And Gordon said, it's okay. So what Pastor Gordon did, he went to the back of his parish. He opened that rusty gate of the birdcage and let the birds soar off. And that Sunday, he laid the birdcage on his pulpit, and he told the story about the little boy. And he said, the little boy said the birds couldn't sing. But I tell you what, once I opened the cage, I think I could hear the birds sing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. They were free. The birds that couldn't sing are now singing and soaring. And isn't that the message of the Christmas? Behind every carol is redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. Behind every ornament, every present given, it reminds us the Christmas message is one of redemption. Amen. Number three. If you are looking for a sign, here's your sign. Jesus Christ came on Christmas Day. Look at verse 12. I love verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I find it fascinating that the same baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes in just 33 and a half years will be wrapped in grave clothes. The very one who came to save us also came to die for us. You ever find it fascinating about the manger? You know, the sign was the baby's going to be born in a manger. That's a very unusual place for a baby to be born. But it goes back to the shepherds. The first Christmas visitors were who? Shepherds. Did it ever occur to you that shepherds would feel right at home in a manger scene? God comes to us where we're at and speaks our soul language. All of us speak and communicate differently based upon our culture, our background, where you went to school, where you grew up. Did you know that God knows how to speak your soul language fluently in a way that you can understand? Some of us, it's in a still small voice because we're so sensitive. And some of us who are hard-headed, he has to speak a little louder in thunder and lightnings and circumstances. But God meets us where we're at. But also a second point about the manger scene, this feeding trough for animals is this is the very place where animals ate. And Jesus, as a metaphor, as a word picture, he came as the what of God? The Lamb of God. So the Lamb of God was born in a place where lambs ate. See, God works out all the details of Christmas in a way that just blows you away. This was the Lamb of God. And the same shepherds who were raising sacrificial lambs were the first people to see Jesus as a group that Christmas day. It's just, it blows me away. You will find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So, something I want to encourage you, if you're looking for a sign for purpose, look no further because Jesus is the one who gives you purpose. If you're looking for life in the midst of a world that's full of death, know that Jesus is the author of life. If you're looking for hope, Jesus created hope. If you're looking for peace, know that Jesus is the prince of what? Peace. And a lot of times we're looking for our best life now. You ever thought about the irony of that, your best life now? We live in a fallen world where people are dying and sick. It's not your best life now. For the Christian, it's your best life later. Jesus came to give us a great life now, and full and abundant. But we've never lived in a fallen world. We've never lived in a world with no sickness or sin or disease. So the Christmas story is he came to give us salvation now, 
but just wait till what's to come. As, as a pastor, just on a side note, I pray for God to heal people. I pray for God to move in people's lives. But I think myself included, if we could get a glimpse on the other side, we'd want to go to heaven yesterday. We wouldn't want to stay on this earth another day. So just remember that. In a world full of sickness and sorrow, disease, death, the best is yet to be. Amen. Number four, heaven celebrates when God's glory is shown from above and when peace is shown from below. So this is the angel's song. Verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, by the way, before we go to the song, verse 13, we talked about this weeks past. In Jewish thought, whenever you had a special event happen, you had to have how many witnesses? Two or three, right? So that's why Peter, James, and John got to see certain things. And that's why the angel, who's a messenger, this angel doesn't appear alone. Other messengers appear because you need witnesses in the Jewish thought. It says, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So friends, if we could pull back the veil for just a moment, and we could get a glimpse of heaven, we'd see this angelic choir singing. And to the choir, something to, to us to think about, to our church choir, did you know that there's one choir in two locations? You have in the heavenly choir, you have the earthly choir. And one day there will be a reunion, or actually I should say a coming together for the first time, because none of us have been to the heavenly choir yet. There will be a joining of the two choirs. One day the heavenly choir and the earthly choir will join together, and the singing will be something that's unspeakable. We, we can't imagine what that's going to be like. So look, notice that the first angel appeared, and then the hosts appeared. In the Bible, the word host refers to an army. Now, this is another one of those ironic things on the Christmas Day message. Isn't it ironic that this heavenly army speaks of peace? Normally, an army talks about war. But the first Christmas morning, the declaration was, let there be peace. Now, to those who are Bible critics and Bible skeptics, they could look at verse 14 and say, well, the Bible's full of contradictions, and here's one. Notice it says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. A skeptic of the Bible would read that and say, there's no peace on earth. Where's goodwill? I mean, I get cut off in traffic, road rage, people cheating each other, hurting each other. Where's the goodwill? I think it's found in the interpretation of the scripture, the translation. We know the New Testament was written predominantly in Greek, so you have to go back to the Greek. I think the ESV best translates this. And this is on your listening guide. It says, peace toward men on whom God's favor rests. So here's the idea behind it. It's not just generic peace to everyone just because you live on earth. It's for those who have accepted the Christ child as their Lord and Savior, they can know peace. So here's the thing as Christians. The world may not know peace, but we should know peace because we know Jesus. If you K-N-O-W, know Jesus... You can K-N-O-W, Jesus, no peace. But N-O, no Jesus, there's no peace. So there's no contradiction. It's, it's a promise that when we make God's glory evident in our life, in the highest, then peace will be evident here below. So let's look, let's look back at that verse. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So... I want to encourage you in your life. This is just a very simple, practical application. 
the times where you and I don't experience peace, it's because God's glory is not the highest in our life. There's a correlation. The times when you know the greatest peace are the times when God's glory is most evident in your life. So if you're lacking peace, you have to look back at what is your focus on. Is it on problems? Is it on circumstances? Is it on issues? If that's your focus, your peace will be minimized. But if God's glory is the highest in your life, then peace will be evident. Amen. Number five, and this is our final grace tip on how to pursue peace this Christmas. Your present to Jesus this year, a passionate pursuit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Verses 15 through 18, the angels go back into heaven. And the shepherds, notice verse 15, they said, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So here, here's the thing I want to get, get give to you, is that pursuing Jesus, there's a big part on your side. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So in the first service, we have an engaged couple, Elijah and Anna. They just recently engaged. They're getting married next year. And I use them as an example. Every time you see them, they're all bubbly and googly-eyed and you know holding hands and can't wait to be around each other. And I looked at the first service and I said, what about you? Some of you have been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Do you still have that? What happened to that passion? And there was quiet in the room, as there probably would be someone here. And here's the thing. That passion, you have to pursue it constantly. And this is a little tip for those of you who are married. They've done research with different studies. But the feelings of being in love only last about 18 months to two years. After that, the feelings crash and burn. We're like, oh, we're in trouble then. So here's what they concluded. You have to fall in love over and over and over throughout the course of a marriage. By novelty, new things, discovering new things. So for those of you who have been married over two years, there's your, there's your tip. And the thing is, it's true with Jesus also. Jesus' love never changes for you. But you ever notice how your passion fluctuates? Sometimes you're on fire, other times it's cold. You have to make the choice to fall in love with Jesus over and over again. So I think the greatest Christmas present you can give and by the way, on a side note, we give gifts to people on their birthday. How come we give gifts to each other on Jesus' birthday? I know, it's to remember Jesus. But what about your present to him? The greatest present you can give is passionately pursuing him more than ever before in 2019 coming up. So that's your challenge. So notice that they said, let us go, let us see what the Lord has made known to us. It's been said this was the first Christmas rush, but it was a good rush. They were rushing to see Jesus. Bethlehem was such a small town, probably only a few hundred residents there, that they could find this place, this stable, much easier than in a big city. Notice in verse 16 it says they came with haste. When you're pursuing Jesus, it's got to be urgent. It's got to be action prone. Pursue him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. And in verse 17, notice it says when they had seen him, they may know widely the saying which is told them concerning this child. So here's the beautiful thing about Christmas. This is a reminder for you. Christmas is a reminder for somebody to tell somebody about the Almighty. Tell somebody. Tell the truth. You know, if you're a silent witness, who is that going to help out? You have to be a vocal witness. And some of you will be like, well, Timothy, I don't, I'm not really extroverted. I don't really talk that much. I, I feel awkward in you know, communication or I'm more quiet. Or some of you talk too much. 
myself included, you know, whatever side of the spectrum you fall on, whether you don't like to talk much or you talk all the time, I want you to look at the shepherds. These were people who couldn't even testify in a court, and now they're inspired and they're, they're telling everyone the good news. So no matter what your personality is, whether quiet or way outgoing, we're all challenged to tell the good news. Amen? And notice the result in verse 18. Verse 18 just blows me away. It says, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So friends, here's the thing. God can turn your madness into marvel. If you will just tell the good news, there's light that's coming to the world. And my, my big takeaway from all of this is your take-home truth, if you'll look on your listening guide. Peace is present when God's glory is evident in my life. So here's the take-home truth that I really got from this text. It says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace goodwill toward men. In your life, if you make God's glory evident, then peace will be what flows. So the reason why you and I don't have peace right now is because God's glory is not up here. If you want to know peace, make God's glory your highest pursuit. And if God's glory is your highest pursuit, you will have peace. I can guarantee it. No matter what circumstances, trials, you will have pain and suffering in this world. But in the midst of your pain, Jesus says, peace I give to you. Not as the world give I to you, but my peace. It's true and lasting peace. So in a bad news world of sickness, suffering, death, disease, taxes, all the stuff we deal with, I want to encourage you with this. Jesus gives us peace if we will just elevate his glory. Amen. Let us pray. Father, wow. The angel song. We, we, Luke just pulled back the veil and we heard the angel say, Peace on earth with whom his favor rests. So God, as Christians, we have your favor. I pray that we would walk in making you glorified in our lives, giving you glory just like the angels. Help us with the angelic choir, join on earth the choir, and sing glory to God in the highest. As no one's looking around and the believers are praying, I just want to talk to believers first. And You may be experiencing a lack of peace because of difficulties and circumstances. Friends, I don't minimize suffering. I, I acknowledge that many in the church are suffering. It's a reality. We don't minimize it. But I did, I, I did come to be a messenger of hope. That in the midst of your suffering or someone in your family suffering, you can have peace. The Bible says it's peace which transcends understanding. It doesn't make sense logically. So, Father, I pray for the, the Christian right now that's lacking peace. That they would be reminded as God's glory is evident, peace will be experienced in my life. Please, Jesus, give us peace. As the believers continue to pray, we give the gospel every Sunday. There may be one here today that the greatest present you could have this Christmas is knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord and having eternal life. The Bible says Jesus came to save us. He stepped out of time and into our time. He died on the cross and he rose again so that we could have life. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, to say this prayer. Jesus, I believe this Christmas, I believe that you are God. And you came and you lived the perfect life. You died on that cross for my sins and you rose again. But Jesus, I don't just believe. 
I receive Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. I pray that you would forgive me of all my sins. I turn from them and I turn to you. Jesus, make me a new person this Christmas. Thank you for eternal life this Christmas. Father, you've heard our prayers and we give you thanks and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. At this time we're going